Change the Game. Proudly brought to you by the QCCS Mackay Cutters. Hi everyone, welcome to QCCS Mackay Cutters Change Game podcast podcast. I'm Mitch Cook. I'd like to acknowledge the Yui people of the Kulin Nation and pay my respect to elders past, present and emerging. Today, well, I'm joined on the hot seat with uh, Steve Jackson uh, from Mackay, Queensland State of Origin legend, uh, 78 games in uh, the professional ranks and I'm very honoured to have a conversation with you today, Jacko. Hi Mitch, how are we going? Uh, yeah, I, I got to play 78 uh, first grade games, um, not that many, <laughs> I would have liked a, a few more. But uh, I remember Melbourne Storm come up this way a few years ago when I had dinner with Craig Bellamy down on Wood Street. Just a, a lovely guy, Craig. And he said, uh, so Jacko, how many Origin games did you play? And I said, I, I played nine. He went, you played nine Origin games and you only played 78 first grade games. And I went, yep. He went, you'd have to have the best ratio. He said, usually for blokes to play nine games in State of Origin, they had to play 200 plus games in NRL. I went, oh, well, that's, that's a good feat for me. <laughs> yeah. So career went from 86 to 93, and at the end of 93, a, a back injury sort of ended your career at that level? Well, I was contracted at the Gold Coast Seagulls for 92, 93, 94, and um, it was probably the, the best contract of my life. Well, it definitely was the best contract of my life. I, I went to Canberra in 86. I left Makepies here. I played Makepies all my life. And I kept signing one-year deals. And I, I signed for $500 in 1986. And I earned $1,200 for the year. If I stayed here in Mackay and played for Makepies, I could earn about $4,000. And, um, but I would have never got to play all them Origin matches if mm-hmm. I didn't. So it was, it was tough work in camera. I was just talking, because it was pretty cool here at the moment. And I was just talking to the young lady before and saying that I had a job at IPEC. And I used to ride a push bike from Queen Bean to Fishwick, which was about 13 kilometres. And... Um, minus five degrees on push bike and uh it was tough it was so tough in 86 and i and i and i hung it out i i toughed it out and then i um 87 i got a bit more money that's when don found a co-coach with wayne bennett and then 88 tim sheen's come along and then 89 i i got the chance to um debut in 89 and play in a grand final and so that's where it all started then went to west west and 90, 90, 91, and then the Gold Coast Seagulls, 92, 93, and 94. I had the back injury here in Mackay, from all places. Here in yeah, Mackay, yeah. we had a, a, an end-of-the-year trip. We played a, a young gun side from, from Townsville because Cowboys weren't in back in, back in them years. Yeah. And we played at the Junior League grounds. It was a Laguna Keys challenge. At 93, it was end-of-year trip. And um, I remember I, I went to catch a ball and I was top heavy and I, my head hit the ground because I, no, I was catching the ball. I had no way to, to brace myself and I felt this burn go right down the middle of my back. We finished the, um, the end of year trip, which you've got to do. Mm-hmm. And then um, I got married that year and, and then my back, we went to Hawaii for our honeymoon and uh, my back just got worse and worse and I had a prolapse disc of the L5 and I had that operated on just before Christmas 93 and then I tried to come back and train too early for 94 because I'm new I'm 27 year old I'm not many more chances to play for your dream and that's to play for Australia and um, I come back onto the training pack too early and I uh, had to have another operation on the same it was an L5 S1 disectomy they called it and uh, so I had the second operation on the same disc a month later in February 
and um, I had to play a fixture game for Gold Coast to uh, to pick up my contract money, and uh, and I ended up playing, and I ended up playing another three more games, and that was it, '94, and I retired. Yeah, well, and cut short way too early, as you're sort of alluding to, um, and you know, it's a lot of you know, take me to that period and when you then retired. What what was next? Did you come back to Mackay straight away? Did you? Stay down in the Gold Coast, and it was it was a horrible time of life. It was it was um, I was in a dark room and there was no light, you know. And and I'm a pretty strong character, and some of the things that went through my mind, I'm lucky to be here as an older man now. Um, everything left me, you know. The the game that I played since I was five years old, at the highest level, and um, my my wife left me not long after the game left me. And uh, I struggled. I struggled. Uh, my job went soon as the, soon as the the contract was over. My job went at the Seagulls, and uh, it was gee, was it was ninety? Was it had to be ninety four, ninety five? April ninety five was when uh, lease left, and I was I was gone. I was uh, four weeks. So I was there on my own. My mum, lucky she uh, she flew down, and uh, I hadn't left the house for four weeks, and I started surfing. It was funny because when I used to go to training at the Gold Coast, uh, I used to stop at all the point breaks and watch these surfers surf. And I used to think, geez, I wish I could do that. But off I'd go and do a weight session because that was my, my chosen sport. I'd do weights. And, um, and when I retired and, then, and, um, and when mum come down, I, I bought a surfboard. I said, I'm just going to start surfing. I started surfing for seven months. And Can you good? I ended up being pretty good, yeah. yeah. I ended up going up and some pretty good surfer. A mate of mine, he'd surfed for 30 years, and he said, Jacko, we're going out today, and there's a lot of good surfers that aren't going out. It's pretty big. Mm-hmm. I said, yeah, I'll have a go. Yeah. <laughs> I got smashed. <laughs> uh, yeah, but um, I, yeah, like I said, I surfed for about seven months, and then I ran out of money. And uh, I rented the house out, and, and when you're in that kind of situation, you know, like nothing nothing good was happening mm. and so I went back to family and that's usually what you need to wrap yourself around and I was like a lost little boy from the age of 28 to 32 because in my mind I was still supposed to play at the age yeah. of 32 and um, when you've got gaps like that it's usually bad things you start doing and and yeah things out of character and and so yeah I did I struggled for a long period of time and uh, and then I met Shannon the mother of, of my four children and uh, and bought a business, and then things started looking up, and uh, yeah, I'm still here today. Yeah, uh, so definitely hard to accept you know, being retired too too young. Um, but you had some really great moments while you were playing, and let's let's go back to one of those. And definitely, it'd be remiss if I didn't um, bring up the try of the grand <laughs> final in '89. Talk me through that. So for me, it's all went on. Yeah, watch it. It's right place, right time. Yeah, and, and people say how lucky I was. And you think to yourself, oh, how lucky I was. You know, I put a lot of work in the start of playing when I was five years old. And it's kind of like um, Steve Bradbury, you know. Everyone says how lucky all them people that, that fell over when he, when he crossed the line and won that gold medal in the Winter Olympics. But how about the times when he was five and six years old, put the skates on and he put all that work in and hard work, and that's what it is. It's, yeah. And uh, people used to call me an opportunist, and I used to get filthy. I'm like, what the hell? But then I realised that, yeah, I was an opportunist, but you've got to create that opportunity Mm. through hard work. And um, halfway through that season, and we just talked about it off air before there, that 
I, I debuted finally in first grade, and that's every kid's dream is to debut for an NRL. Well, back then it was called New South Wales Rugby League, then went on to ARL, and now it's the NRL, so it's the same same competition. And, and everyone's dream is to, um, to debut for the top grade. Back in them days, no interchange, you know. So the top 13 was your debut. You know, you could sit on the bench, but it wasn't classed as a debut. Uh, Tim Sheens was a coach. It was halfway through 1989. And we're playing Balmain at Seaford Oval. And Tim come up to me and he said, look, Steve, I've got a bit of a conundrum here. I, I've got a front rolls position and a centres position available. And I looked at him, I said, you want me to play in the centres, don't you? And he went, yeah. <laughs> Coming from front row and reserve grade to the centres in first grade. Um, ne- never trained there? <laughs> no, no, never. T- I was a forward all the time. Hmm. Uh, and um, but I was pretty quick. I was a pretty quick um, big fella, and uh, and that's all. That, and I could I could defend pretty well. I had good I had good lateral movement. So Tim said that you know I'd be able to just oh, stay yeah just stay stay on outside shoulder. You know try not letting get on the outside. Yeah, I said right, that's sweet. And uh, at Seaford Oval, Balmain, Andy Courier, the English convert. I was marking him, and it was off a scrum. It was only ten minutes into the game, and. And um, Gary Jack took it out to the left-hand side and Steve O'Brien was the winger and he picked it out. And I, I was swinging off Gary Jack's shoulders and as Steve O'Brien come inside, he hit me, hit me bottom of my leg and it, and it felt different. I, I got up and, and when I moved my foot, I couldn't feel below my knee. I thought, oh, you're kidding. Something, something's wrong here. Something, I haven't felt like this before. And I was already behind the eight ball. You know, I'm a front row playing in the centres and I've done, done my knee. And as I've said before, there was no interchange. Once you got replaced, that was it. And I tried it. I got him to strap it as tight as you could. I said, just strap it as tight as you can. And I stayed on for another 15 minutes. And Andy Corey ended up going around me, scoring, scoring a try. And I got replaced with about five minutes to go before half time. And I, I remember sitting in the dressing shed by myself, having a bit of a soft moment, thinking, my whole life, my whole life I've been wanting to play at the top level of, of this game that I love with a passion and this happens to me and uh, and then on the Monday I went into the physio and saw a doctor and they said well look it's a medial medial ligament strain or tear sorry and they said we can't operate but you'll be out for the rest of the season and I said what's my other choices and they said well we'll you can physio it every day you can um, rehabilitate it uh, but then still you might need an operation so I said, oh, I've got to give it a chance. So I did that. I was physio sometimes twice a day, morning, afternoon. I was, I was leg training. I was in sand. I was doing weights. I just worked so hard to get back on the paddock. And back in 89, Canberra had a, a very strong club. Our 21s made the grand final against South Sydney. They were beaten by South Sydney in that grand final. My reserve grade side was um, we played Parramatta in the prelim final the week before the grand final. And we got... I'd come back a week before the final started, so I'd had about four games leading into this this game against Parramatta. Yeah, so what round did you do your knee? Uh, I think it was about round 11. Right. 11 or 12. I'm, yeah, I'd have to look back in the mid, books. Mid, but about mid-year. About mid-year, yeah. So I was out for about nine or ten weeks. And um, so then I, I'd had them four, four games back through the finals with, the, uh, with our reserve grade side, and then Parramatta beat us an extra time. And... I remember sitting in the dressing set again, oh, God. You know, just would have loved to play in a grand final. Didn't matter what grade, reserve grade would have been fantastic. But as it worked out, that we didn't. And then Tim Sheen's come in after the A grade because A grade had to play right through 
to make the grand final. You know, they, they come from... They had to win nine games in a row to make that grand final. And um, Tim Sheen's give me a tap on the shoulder. He said, uh, look, Jacko, we've got a big bench here for the grand final. We, we had something like um, 24 players. So, so it's 11 men bench, only four get a run. Mm-hmm. And uh, he said, well, I'm going to name you on that in that squad. I went, oh, beautiful. So you didn't play the prelim? No, no, no. I, I just played reserve. Yeah, so... Yeah, straight so, in. Yeah, I got traded with a week to go. week to go in the grand final, and I was a, a really late call-up. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, I didn't think I was going to get a run. Uh, that week, it was 5,000 people at training. It was just remarkable. I, I remember thinking, wow, this is more than what people watch this as a game. Yeah. And, uh, and come, we went to the Travel Lodge in Sydney. That's where we were based. And we went there on the Tuesday or the Wednesday. And back then, they used to have the grand final breakfast. These days, they have a big luncheon. And I couldn't go to the grand final breakfast because they didn't have enough plates set out. So I had to, I had to wait back at the uh, the hotel with the, the rubbers and the strappers and and wait for the real footballers to come back. So the only player, yeah, group, <laughs> I was yeah. the only one that didn't get to go to the grand final breakfast. And I went, oh well, that's how sure I I was of not playing. Yeah. So which which in hindsight um, helped me so much because I had no nervous energy. Mm. I was a young player. If I knew I was playing, you're calm. Yeah, I was. Yeah, I was just relaxed. I remember um, my girlfriend come up to um, come up to the hotel. We just went shopping on that Friday morning, and then um, and then yeah, then come Sunday we got off the bus, and it was just awesome. You know, you you live in a dream, and I had a brand new jersey. I just I remember sitting in the in the seats on the sideline, and there's a Winfield Cup badge, and I just kept going. Ooh, how good is this? Yeah, shiny. Watch, watching from the best seat in the house. Yeah, and uh, and as as time tells us, <laughs> as it went by, that uh, seventeen minutes to go. So, what's that? Um, Twenty three minutes into the second half. Uh, Phil Foster, his name was. He was Tim Sheens' right hand man, and he said, uh, "Jacko, warm up. Are you sure you got the right bloke?" <laughs> Yep, warm up. Right. Well, would have been pretty nerve-wracking, but still, back in them days, you could get to the sideline and that player that you were going to replace has come good, whether he was injured or whether he was, you know, he might have come good. So the touch he used to run on with the flag in the air. Remember when there was a break, mm. you had to wait for a break and play? Yeah. And you'd run on with the flag in the air and you come on and make the replacement. So still in the you, tunnel... You won't burn an interchange card. No. <laughs> <laughs> No interchange, no interchange back yeah. then. You're off, you stay off. And I was in doing a couple of pretend stretches in the in the tunnel of the Sydney Football Stadium. You know, them calf stretches where you lean up against the wall and you mm-hmm. pretend to stretch. The heart probably started racing then. And then over the top, you're on now for Todd. So I must have nearly, the heart must have nearly jumped out of my mouth right in that moment. I get to the sideline and like I said, I didn't didn't... Have to th- I didn't think too much about it. I just went and started playing. The ball just come in. Oh, no, Paul Martin knocked it on. Just the time I got to the sideline, so it was a stop and play, and I went straight on. Packed and tied it against Blocker Roach. Um, I replaced Brent Todd, the Kiwi International. And I don't know what it looked like, but the, if there was a corner of a brick wall in front of my head, I was headbutting that as hard as I could. Because back in them days, we used to have some rough and ready, some head clashes in them scrums. Mm-hmm. And uh, Were they talking to you as well? Oh, I didn't worry me. I didn't no. care, mate. I was I was playing the dream. It yeah. didn't matter. I was focused, and 
I say I've told the story this story a few times, and Blocker wouldn't he wouldn't say that he he'd give me room in tight head. You're pushing in close to get your hooker over near the near the ball, yeah. and it looked like he gave me a bit of room. And I went, oh, yeah. <laughs> usually a pack in the scrum, you see black eyes, mm. and then sometimes you see eyes that are shaking. You think, oh, I don't know what he's on, but cry, this is going to hurt. <laughs> but um, yeah, so and started playing in, in that grand final, and I got to be involved quite a bit in that grand final. So, mm. all right, well, let's go to the trial. I think we got it up on the screen. Hey. And talk us through it. So oh, the unwritten be... law. You don't grub her in your own 50. What a bad kick. Mel yeah. gives it. Now, this you watch this. It takes about four or five seconds, right? I'm thinking there. I knew it. What was going through my head? That's about a five-second run. But it felt like it was 30 seconds. It felt like it was 30 seconds. I, I just remember I, I hit someone. I'd done a pirouette. And then I'm thinking, wow, there's a try line. If I can put this ball over the try line, I've just scored a try in a grand final. And as I put it down, I looked up and Eddie Wood was in the perfect position. So I've taken off there and, and you watch Could have passed. Yeah, I could have passed. He would have scored on the stick. Yeah. This is where I'm thinking, look, look. And I look up and there's Harrigan. I look up and see Harrigan. Yeah. As soon as he had his arm out, I put my head on the try line. Right on the line it went. And I went, I made it, I made it, I made it. I said that three times and I was winded and they just hugged me and I just wanted air. I just needed air there. Yeah. Let, let me, me breathe. Get some air, let me breathe. <laughs> Beef. Dude, we can we'll play. go one more time. Oh, we can play this as yeah. many times as you want. I, I like this. <laughs> <laughs> I took off pretty quick there, so I, yeah, just a little spin there. And, that, and someone that hit it. me from behind here and straightened me up. Oh, look at Freeman give me a push over the line. Thanks, Gary. Yeah, is that agility you were talking about before? Yeah. <laughs> and, you, and, you know, to come back from what you said, that knee injury, yeah. being fully rehabbed and still had your agility, your step. What what was it awesome? Um, just before when Chica Ferguson scored a try to uh, to Mel had to kick it to level up right. Mm-hmm. So uh, I remember it was less. It was a fifth tackle. Um, there was less than a minute to go, uh, and Chrissy O'Sullivan throws up the bomb, and I'm out in the backs once again. I was out in the backs there, bludgeoning there too. Right, so, <laughs> I didn't want to say. <laughs> so I was, again, I was out in the backs when when Chrissy O'Sullivan put the bomb up, yeah. and. Uh, I've actually got up to it. I got my left hand on it, and and it just come back, bounced down, and it, and Laurie picked it up, and Laurie threw it over top to Chica Ferguson, and Chica come back inside to where I was, and I was going Chica, Chica, give it to me, and I knew he wasn't gonna, so I hit him from behind. I'll, when we get off, I'll, I'll get the phone, I'll Google it, and you'll yeah. go, oh look at that, because <laughs> I hit him from behind, and in today's game that would have been classed as no try, because I interfered with Sirenin mm. coming in for the tackle, because I give him a bit of a bump and pushed Chica over the try line. And it was funny, when we got back to the Raiders club that night, we watched on the big screen, and Chica come racing, when he scored his try, come racing from the other side of the dance floor, and he said, it was you. He said, I felt someone hit me in the back. <laughs> I said, yeah, Chica, I thought you need a little bit of help over there. And I remember thinking, well, I didn't score a try, but I was involved in one. Yeah. And then I got my try a little bit later, which pretty cool thing. I, magic. I, well, I, it was magic. I didn't... I didn't realise the enormity at that moment. I yeah. didn't realise. I, I knew well, I was playing a dream, but, but 33 years on, do you, 33 years on, do you realise how many free lunches I've got oh, from that try? Uh, a lot. <laughs> and, you, and the reason, because they call that game one of the best grand finals ever. Yeah. So it's 33 years. And they're still calling it one of the best grand finals. So when I'm long gone, I'm, I'm involved in a game that was 
they call it the, the day the game changed yeah. when Canberra won that grand final. And I was just fortunate enough to be in the game that's classed as one of the best grand finals ever. So it's a, it's a proud thing to have and, and it's a nice thing to have in your tro- trophy cabinet. Yeah, and yeah, mem- like you say, it's memories are going to last a lot, like la- lifetime and beyond. So, yep. congratulations! I'm, um, <laughs> I'm loving that we're um, reliving that moment together right now. So, time for change. Uh, let's let's move on a little bit. So, '93, we already talked about that was your last season and your back injury and what you went through there. Um, Forced you to retire. Went through that period, um, being a little bit lost um, through there. Yep. So you had that support, family support. What was next? How did you, how did you, get out of that? And you know, uh, did, did you come back to Mackay then after that two-year period? Yes. Um, Ninety-five was when the game left me formally retired, um, yeah, and the, and I had a marriage break up. Uh, then I come back to Mackay at ninety-six, and the coach Magpies here at ninety-six, mm-hmm. still a loose cannon. Yeah. You know, in, in my head, I was still supposed to be playing, but I couldn't. But back. And people said, did you come back Mackay and play? I said, no, no, if I was going to play, I'd be playing at the top league. So the, the neurosurgeon said to me, I've been inside your back twice. Because uh, I asked him, because the Cowboys wanted me up there. Mm-hmm. And to come to the Super League, there was a bit of money being thrown around too. And I went to the neurosurgeon. I said, mate, you know, can you give me a couple more years? What can you put do to me? Yeah, anything. He pointed me in the chest. He's a little fella. Yeah. Uh, Jeffrey Askin, Dr. Jeffrey Askin, his name was. He said, I've been inside your back twice. He said, I've operated on the L5. Your L3 and 4's got no fluid. He said, mate, you risk playing again. You risk hopping in a wheelchair. And for normal people, they say to me, oh, you had no choice. So it's just a simple, simple... Um, hmm. I went, no, it's not. Black and white. Well, it's not. No, that, that was all my life. I, I had nothing else. I had no trade. I had, I had nothing. You know, when the game left me, I lost everything. So, um, yeah, I come back home here and, I, and I, I met a girl named Shannon, Shannon Jaworski, and I married Shannon and, and um, we had four beautiful children. They're the air that I breathe, three boys and a girl. And, um, and we decided to um, build and buy and build a business, uh, Leonard's, which I still have today, mm-hmm. 25 years later. And, uh, and that business was, was great for me because it, it created light, you know, in a dark room. And uh, as we all know... Um, there's always light at the end of the tunnel, but sometimes there isn't. Sometimes the room's that dark that you can't find your way mm. way around. And um, I had good people around me, good support base. And uh, as when the, the kids started growing up, um, I, I started growing up. And uh, that's what I needed to. I was, I was one of them silly people that thought you were going to stay young forever and thought the game was going to be there forever. And when I finished playing, I'd be coaching and... Everything be right, but reality hits and, and makes you understand that, gee whiz, it's it's tough, you know, and mm. you've got to be disciplined and you've got to be you've got to have change and make change and and it's probably only the last decade that I've really really focused on the kind of person I am and and I've started um, I've got a lot yeah I've started reaching a lot of goals. Yeah, and we'll go into that, um, and if we can go into some of the stuff of you know what were the things you needed to change like who. Who was the Steve Jackson back in that period that, you know, from what I know, you were the life of the party. Um, but, yeah, talk me through what you want of that period and then we'll talk about where you are now. Yeah, well, alcohol was always a, a problem, you know, and it was a culture, you know. We we used to knock the knock the top off the old man when when we were about 10 years old. Mm. Everyone was waiting. It's my turn to take the top off because you got a squeak. Mm. 
you know. And That's where it starts. It's where it starts, and you don't, you don't know that as a kid, and, mm. and, and the parents sort of weren't educated either because that's what happened to them. That's what yeah. they did. And, um, and, and then and, uh, the, whole, the whole time we, we, we rewarded success with alcohol, and, and that was just what happened. So you had a good day. You were on the drink. Mm. And, um, and I had to change that. And, um, you know, there was times that I'm not proud of a lot of things, a lot of bad choices I've made. Um, there was drugs involved. There was alcohol involved. And um, sometimes you, you had that just to sort of make yourself feel better. And, and, that's, and, and that's when sort of that depression sort of starts sitting there and, and it's just a spiral downturn, isn't it, mm-hmm. that um, you can fall into. And like I said, I'm a real strong character. And if I can be in situations like that and that kind of darkness, and anyone can be. So, um, yeah, I, I just... My kids, like I said, they are the ones. I remember, I probably shouldn't be saying this, but this is what happened. And there's some just choices. I was teaching my 12-year-old how to pour me a, a 7 p.m. Jack Daniels and a 1 a.m. Jack Daniels. And I remember waking up in the morning and thinking, what am I doing? The difference between the 7 p.m. and a 1 Well, a 7 yeah. p.m. was half a glass and a 1 a.m. was nearly a full yeah, glass. Yeah, so you're teaching him. Well, he was pouring it for me. He was pouring it for me. And, um, and you know, I just woke up in the morning thinking, what the hell am I doing, you know? And so was that, was that a light bulb moment? It really was. It was, it was uh, you know, I, I wanted to be a, a better role model. And and now that, that boy's 21 years old and they he can't remember when I drunk, you know, and, and that's how I wanted to be. I wanted mm. to be the person. I didn't want to be the dad that said, do as I say, not what I do. And as, as we all know, Wayne Bennett's an unbelievable role model and I still have uh, chats with Wayne quite a bit. When things aren't going too well, and and um, and he he's never drunk. He had a he had a father that was an alcoholic, and and uh, and then I started talking to these people. Craig Bellamy, I still chat with Ricky, and and um, and then yeah, my life in the last decade has just gone from strength to strength. You know, the way I was going, who knows if I would have been still here by now? But um, mm. definitely, my kids were the were the strength of me, and, and the reason I made all these different decisions. Yeah, that's that's great. I'm happy to hear that, Jacko. And what talk us through that this last decade? Um, what what have you achieved, and where you, where are you at now? You PRD, and you still got the shops, and I actually bought my house here in Mackay for you. So yeah. thank you very much. You're doing a great job. <laughs> um, and are you, you're doing some study at the moment as well, which is really good in the wellbeing space. Uh, talk us through the last decade and what you're doing now. Yeah, well, I, I still have tough times as we all do. Every day is a different challenge, isn't it? And but I'm, I'm, my head's clear enough to, to, to make good choices. I made a lot of bad choices, and because the head wasn't clear. Um, now I, well, it's only four years ago where I had a bit of hard time in the chicken shop, and I, mm-hmm. I sort of didn't want to face the world for a little while there, but financially, yeah, financially, yeah, yeah both financially, just, just everything, stress, um, yeah, definitely stress. Uh, and then I punched through. I punched through, and then the resilience that the game gives you that, that got me through that. Uh, I, I've got two chicken shops. Um, they're still they're doing okay. Uh, real estate. Uh, Greg Chapel at PRD has uh, come to me over the last decade three times. He's tried to recruit me to do real estate, and the first two times I said, "No, no, I'm, I'm all right. I've got enough to do." And then it was three years ago that I said, "Lorado, mate, I'll give it a crack." 
and, and I enjoy it, and um, and it's put another string to my bow. So at that time, all I all I knew in life was football and dead chickens, and now I know football, dead chickens, and a bit of real estate. But now, as it just alluded to, that I'm I'm doing this well-being course, and so surf for in elite athlete well-being management. That's it, yeah, and and it's intense, mate. It's mm. intense. I, I failed at school, you know. I, <laughs> I went to school to grade 10 and um, I was one of them kids that were looking out the window all the time and I'm meant to be outside and working. Yeah. So, um, and now I'm back at school and um, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. I think Challenging you. Oh, it is. It's, um, I'll tell you how this come along. I, I, I still, like I said, I talked to Ricky Stewart, I talked to Craig, but I initiate the, the conversation by text. You know, if Ricky's got a big game coming up, I say, mate, best of luck with your game tonight. And he always comes back, love you, Jacko. And, and then he sent me this link, and it was a, a link to a Paul Ken article in the Telegraph about C.O. Soliola. Uh, he was retiring from the game, and they didn't want to lose him at Canberra, so they made him their well-being manager at, at Canberra. And as you know, every NRL club have a full-time well-being manager. And as I'm reading this article, I'm just going, mate, that's me. You know, I, I, I've made so many wrong choices in life, but so many right choices. And, and, and I... I I believe totally it's not the person you were, it's the person you become that counts. And if people are going to judge you on the person you were, then do you really want to be around them people? And and I've I've come a long way and I've done a lot of change. And and so in this article, I I just went, I I think I could help so many young players or even older players because I've been through it. Young players to show that, that, mate, there's, there's a lot of pressure on, you know, there's you've got to want it so bad and, and, and as an older player that's gone through injuries have to come back to the real world I've been through that and I thought on transition as well yeah, yeah. And, the, and, the, the, and I've been at the top level so they're, they're wanting to experience what I've already experienced but all the hardship they haven't experienced the hardships that I have and, and my just life experiences could help them so much and I thought right who do you what do you do go to the top dog go to Mr Bennett I sent Wayne a text I said Wayne I'd love to um put my hand up for uh, your well-being manager's job at Redcliffe Dolphins in 23. And he sent me a text back about three days later, said, uh, look, Jack, I'll give you the qualifications. You'll, I'll tell you what qualifications you need and I'll be in touch. But that's Wayne putting the ball back in your court, not Wayne going to do it for you. Mm. No one gets a free ride with Mr. Bennett. No. You've got to be better than what you got to offer. That's why he's so successful. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, I started ringing around and I talked to the NRL well-being manager there um he got back to me and he said jacko i've done a bit of work with you when i was with the cowboys and i went, oh, hello. So I got paul? A, yeah paul yeah yeah so i got a bit of a bit of history there and mm-hmm. and i got a contact there at the nrl and he sent me all the stuff i need to do and put me in contact with steve johnson that runs these courses out of sydney and uh, i've only just three weeks into this well-being course and realized that holy gee whiz i'm learning about the brain front rows haven't got a brain and i'm learning <laughs> about it jeez <laughs> Have you put it together with your hand yet? No, you should be able to do that. Oh, that's it. Yes, yeah. oh, you put the thumb across yep. and that covers it there. That's the brain step. There we so go. You're so learning. I'm that's learning. Good. Some things are sticking in. Um, yeah, so, uh, and then I went and had a meeting with Wayne. I said, Wayne, I'd love to come down just to show you what kind of character I'm these days. And, and Wayne said, yeah, so I flew down and I was supposed to have a meeting with him on the Tuesday. I flew down on the Sunday. And he rings me up Monday and he says... Um, he said, Jacko, uh, I won't be able to um, hook up with you on Tuesday because I've got to get out to the farm. And I said, no worries. I said, when will you be back? He said, well, I'll be back Thursday. I've got a luncheon uh, for South, uh, South Magpies there at the Norman Hotel. 
And I said, how about when you finish that luncheon, I'll wait in the bar for you. And he went, right, I can do that. So I cancelled my flight and extended the stay till Thursday and I went to the Norman Hotel and he came out of the function. He went, you're persistent, aren't you? I went, well, if, if you want something bad enough and you're the man I've got to talk to. And Wayne, as everyone knows, doesn't shake hands too much. And I'm a big handshaker. So yeah. I kept my hands in my pocket and I was sitting on the stool and I said, Wayne, the story's quite long, but I'll cut it short. And he said, yeah, do that. No expression on his face. Yeah, do that. Right. So and I, I said to him, I've been in the chicken shop 25 years. Um, I love the game with a passion. I love the player with a passion. And, and I think my experiences of wrong and right choices would, would be beneficial to the young player. That And he said, yeah, and he listened to me. And we chatted for about 15 minutes. And he said, well, look, Jack, I'm not going to offer you a job. He said, I can't because it's a specialised position. You've never done it. He said, go back, go back um, to Mackay, um, ask the cutters if you can use their organisation to, to lean on to do this course. And he said, just hang around the boys, be around the boys and just um, knock on my door in 12 months' time and doors will open. And that's where I am now. That's why, I, why I've done it. Yeah, that's exciting. Yeah. It's great to have those connections too and networks and you've got to use them to your advantage. But like you, what you're doing is you're putting the study behind it and the, the work, so... Once you get that qualification, then you'll be... Well, um, as you know, it's not just rugby league. No, the world needs right. people to help other people, you know, mm. and that's well-being. And you don't realise... If I knew this stuff at the age of 20, my life would have been so different. Mm. Game changer. I, yeah. Well, I got, I got through because I was tough. You know, I, I was the kind of character. I was, I was streetwise, you know. You could put me in the middle of New York, New York with no money and I'd find my way home. Mm. And that's what got me through. But it's just like I teach my kids now. I said, it's just like running your car on dirty fuel. You know, it's just going to stuff the engine up. So um, this, this well-being stuff, it's, it's amazing what I'm learning so far. And I, I think uh, everyone needs, everyone hmm. needs to have, a, have an insight to, to what's happening with this stuff. Yeah, invest in your own mental health and your own well-being. Everyone's, everyone has their well-being and depends where, you, where you're sitting day to day and the more you can understand how to have, you know, pick yourself up from a bad day and get yourself back to where you need to be. Um, well, know, that's, uh, you, you know that every day there's, there's that opportunity to have a bad day, isn't it? Yeah. You're going to have them bad days. But it's giving you the tools mm. to override it. And, and get through the other side, you know, and, and that's exactly what this is about is, uh, yeah, you're not going to, you're always going to have bad days, but how do you get through them and, and what tools do you need to, to get through it to the, the best of your ability? Yeah, and as you're saying, it's not just rugby league too, especially for this course, it's, uh, it's an opening in sport and, and business and there's going to be more opportunities in the wellbeing space in, for work, uh, so... Credit to you to jump on it now because it, it is still in its early days and there will only be more courses coming coming about as well. So, yeah, it's a big advocate for it. So, again, if anyone out there will give Steve Johnson and Wellbeing Science Institute another plug, um, check them out there. Definitely. Well, there's 26 in our course. There's a, there's a, a young fella over in China, one in New Zealand, Western Australia. They're all over the place. And they're, they're 25 to 35 age back. I'm 56, you know. Um, Glenn, uh, Glenn Lydiard. He's at Penrith. He, he's he's doing it, so he's a little bit younger than me, but um, never stop learning. You know, geez, I, I just I just love learning different things, and uh, yeah, it's 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 testing, but it's fulfilling. Yeah. What about let's talk about rugby league and Mackay? Um, what does the game 
and Mackay, or the game in Mackay, mean to you? Uh, so, so you, at the moment, you're the, our coach of the Foley Mackay sea, um, sea Eagles, the Foley Shield team. Yep. You've been that coach, uh, head coach for a number of years, or two, two years, years yep. um, since it's come back, which is great. Where do you see the game now? And where, do you, well, where, did, where was it? Where is it now? And where do you want to see Mackay in the future? Well, Mackay was always a great nursery for a rugby league player. Um, Don Ferner come here in, in 58 and uh, coached the Mackay side. And that's why uh, Canberra in the early days recruited a lot of Mackay players. Back in 82 when they first come into the comp, they took four players from the Magpie. Magpie won the grand final in 81 mm-hmm. and won three grades in 81. I played in the uh, under-19 grand final that year. Poor brothers, they made four grand finals and lost all four. <laughs> Sorry, brothers. I had to add that one in. The Crane fell over there. They had Rasmussen Cranes up. Brothers, mm-hmm. Premiers in 81, and the Crane fell down as well. Wow. They didn't have a good day. No. Uh, yeah, look, uh, we had uh, the Foley Shield was so strong. There was two divisions in the Foley Shield. There was a North Northern Division and the Southern Northern Division, which we were in. Uh, and yeah, they had to break it up into two lots. And then whoever won their their group played the other group in the Foley Shield final at the Sports Reserve in Townsville. So it was um, so strong a competition. And uh, when I, I come back in 96, I coached Magpies. Uh, I stayed with Magpies there in 97 with Marshall Cowell. And and, um, and it, it started to fall away a little bit around the 2000s. Um, you know, the, the, the hard... Aussie rules was coming in strong and other things were happening. I don't know what the actual why it, it started to, to weaken in numbers mm-hmm. because I went back to Magpies in 2003 and Jeff Milne was the president of Magpies and he said, look, Jacko, we're, we're, we're in a bit of trouble here. We're in a bit of debt. And I was in the chicken shop. I was, uh, what was that? Would have been five years in the chicken shop by then. So I put a manager in there. I said, oh, I'll come back to Magpies. I coached their first grade side. And I went down on a Tuesday afternoon and, and it was juniors training on the Tuesday, and I looked out and I went, probably would have been 70 kids. And I went, so what, did the other kids train on different days? And he said, no, this is it. Magpies had no under 12s, 13s, 14s, 15s, 16s, or 17s. Right. That was back in 2003. And then 2004, we lost the 90s. Magpies in seniors had never been in a worse case. They only had reserve grade and first grade. Was that happening across the league, or was it just Magpies? Well, it was pretty well happening across the board. Uh, but not as bad as what happened with Magpies. I, I'm not going to pinpoint why or how it happened. But uh, a bloke named Brendan Jones came and, and, and a few other in that junior committee just strengthened it. Um, Brendan's son was in that under-11 side back in 2003, and then it just got stronger and stronger, and Magpies come back stronger and stronger. But they were at that stage... They're in trouble. They were in big trouble, yeah. yeah. Uh the cutters come in. Uh, what year was 2008. it? 2008. That's when I coached 2007, the under-17 side. I had uh, Cherry Evans, Benny Barber, mm-hmm. Travis Waddell, uh, Tyson Martin. They all ended up playing in the NRL. Did and you win? We won. Yeah. Yeah, we, well, I didn't have to coach no. them. I just used to say, Daly was a year younger than the other boys. And I say, Daly, can you get us down into that pocket? He said, yeah, Jack, I'll get us here. And he just structured it all at the age of 16. Mm-hmm. And he Give says, Benny on the outside, no. Yeah, Benny, Benny, yeah. It was, it was one hell of a football. And then I went to coach um, in 2008, I coached the Mackay side. And that's when the Cutters first come in. Mm-hmm. And the first coach was? Uh, 
Massey. Massey, yeah. Massey. Massey. Massey Brat. He player coach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was the first coach of the Cutters. And I had this uh, Mackay side. This was at the start of the year when we played Cairns and we played at the Junior League grounds and we beat them 34-10 or something. We, we were strong. And then Massey come in. I'll take him, I'll take him, I'll take him, I'll take him. So it actually weakened our rep football when the Cutters first come in because they had to, you know, that was the top. That was yeah, top. I was reserve grade side for the Cutters. Yeah, so yeah. still rep football, which is a different... Yeah, level. yeah. So, um, so they actually took from the local, um, and but now they're a they're a football side that creates growth and strength to Mackay. I, I totally understand it was a, but back then it was a bit hard, you know, losing all your players. I'm going, oh, God. Yeah, no, definitely it would have been. Um, yeah, really interesting how it all sort of formed and come and come about. Um, did you have any involvement? In the cutters back then, or the inception of the cutters, or was it no. just talked about? Yeah, no, no, no I've never. Yeah, it was never invited to have a conversation. No, no. no. yeah, that was a little bit sad. Yeah. because I was too loose. I was still okay. a bit loose then. Yeah. yeah. So that would have been part of the thinking of do we invite Jack in or not? Don't know. Don't know what the thought behind it because I, I, I did say no, Jack is not a bad lad, but Jesus God, he gets on that drink. Yes. Mm, okay. <laughs> so I definitely, I got no doubt. I missed so many opportunities because I used to like to celebrate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what do you do? Can't turn the clock back. You just got to uh, make changes from now on, don't you? Yeah, definitely. Uh, so what about a 16, 17 year old coming through now? Our pathway into the club, boy or girl, uh, male or female. Uh, What's some advice to give from from you to them? Something that a 16, 17-year-old Jacko would have loved to know. Well, before we go there, you'll have to remind me where that question is, but I just want to talk about the girls, right? Yeah. Because I'm real man's man. You know, this is man's game mm-hmm. in, in my head. Um, I run the water for the, the North Queensland girls against South Queensland up before a Cowboys game. I think it was about 2,000. And I remember, oh, I was just thinking... Someone's going to break their neck here. That's run straight. Their effort, their courage was amazing, yeah. but their technique was loose. And and as we know, you get hit on top of that head, and um, then it's just come so far because mm. the kids, the girls, are starting at the age of six and seven now, like the boys, and mm. they're they're just so good. I watched that New South Wales play Queensland at North Sydney Oval about three or four years ago, and you said thought, wow, the, these girls can play. And look at Renee Kunst playing for Australia and all the, the quality girls we've had coming out of Mackay. What a pathway. What an amazing thing for them them girls. So, you yeah. know what? They've swung me. Yeah, They've good. swung me. It took me a little while. Yeah, and I bet you, you're you not the only one probably in that position. Definitely. There will be a lot that have been had similar thoughts. Um, yep. But it's to be celebrated now. Should it also then too, but to see the progression of where they've come from um, and – all those girls and women who have blazed that path to get to where they are now. It's Mate, great. you're dead set right. And and all your headstrong males that said this is our game would have turned by now and just went, Mate, they can play and let them play. Because mm. yeah. they're attracting crowds. Um, it's you know, exciting football. Yep. Yeah, that's no, good. Well, um, uh, talking about uh, the young fella, you know, because that is an age where where, you know, your brain hasn't, hasn't even touched on, on being smart enough. You know, they talk about 25 is when your brain starts at full capacity and 16, 17, 18, you're, and you're, you're licensed and you're nightclubbing and alcohol and the opposite sex. And, you know, mm-hmm. there's things that are just 
that can steer you away from the game. But all, all I can say to that 16, 17-year-old boy or girl that wants to be the best football player and play at the top level is, is be resilient, is, is never give in, never give in. Um, even if the room is that dark, find that light and, um, and you just keep punching your head. <laughs> you just keep punching your head because and you, you've got to love the game with more than you loved everything. I love my mum to death. And you know, I, I say that I love this game with as much as love as I had for my mother. And, uh, and I did. No one got in between me and the game. The game was so important to me. If the game would have said to me as a uh, 21-year-old back in 1986 that you can't drink no more, you've got to give it away, I would have given it away. So that's how much I love the game. Isn't it? And I love showing off to the bloke beside me. You know, that, That's where... My, my front row partner, always at half time, I come off and I looked at his hit up count, his tackle count, and I had to beat him. Mm. And you've got to compete um, with, your, with your peers. And um, yeah, I, I could just, just love it to death. It's, it becomes a part of you. The game makes you the person you become. It really does. All the characteristics you've got through life, that game is so important to you as a person growing up. Yeah, that's good advice, Jacko. It's um, yeah, some something that our kids will uh, grab a hold of and um, hopefully yeah, hope follow so. in your footsteps and make it to the highest level. Well, you hope so. You know, at the end of the day, what are we left with? We're we're left with memories, but I want to I want to you want to leave a legacy. You know, of you've helped someone in the chicken shop. I have um, you know, twenty ninety seven, twenty five years ago, and. The kids that I had, this young lady, she, she was 13, you know, Lisa Smith. And, uh, and Lisa now, her husband and her own a plastic company that, that is, is very, goes really well. Mm-hmm. And she comes back to my shop and says, Steve, if it, it wasn't for you and your shop that created so much good work ethic in me, which I know that's, that's a nice thing to say, but she created it herself, mm-hmm. you know. But for them to come back and say that to me, that, that's the feel good. That, that's why you do things. That's why you want to help younger people and hopefully give them information to guide them through tough times. And, and when you're old and they come back to you and say, hey, look, you had a chat with us about 30 years ago and my life has just gone from strength to strength because of that one little thing you said to me. And that's what we want in life. That's what I want to be left with. Yeah, giving back. Yeah, and it costs you nothing. Yeah, it costs right. you nothing, mate. Right. That's what I say to staff when they come into the shop and they're feeling down. I said, choose your attitude. Cost you nothing. Mm. Good yeah. saying. Yes. Jacko, thanks for the chat. This is, uh, it's been great. One of, the, one of the better ones I think we've had now in the hot seat. Not, I keep calling it the hot seat. It's not a hot seat at all. No, um, it's, 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 quite, a, it's quite nice. Very nice. Love it. Yeah, I hope you've enjoyed it. And it's been great seeing you around the cutters and you're always welcome. Thank so. you very much, Mitch. Awesome. Thank you, mate. Thanks. Cheers, good Cheers. man. Change the game. Proudly brought to you by the QCCS Mackay Cutters.